House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Okay, welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm at the wheel, Al Warren. And today, co-hosting, we've got Mr. Rep- Ripper himself, Michael Hawley. Hello, yes, you betcha. <laughs> Hey, you were just doing a, a talk, weren't you? Uh, well, that and also I think was, was what's even more intriguing is I did a, a book signing in New York, and one of the people that uh, came up to my book and uh, to me and started talking, she has this app of House of Mystery, <laughs> and and I was just shocked that it, so I showed her our book. <laughs> she yeah. goes, "Wow, you know him." <laughs> so she was bragging about Al Warren to me in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> that's so pretty like, funny i mean how coincidental yeah so but she really never intriguing. heard you so she avoids the shows you're on obviously <laughs> i guess i guess I so. know. it's crazy oh it's a small world that's weird how right? it does i think you know the the internet's really really amazing at reaching out to people and and like i said yeah. in chicago there's a station that wants to pick us up and i'm still trying to figure out my my uh my future yeah, well, your app is doing well, so. Well, yeah, yeah, Something, something's doing well, eh? You know, I don't know. I think she's going to listen to Wendy tonight. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, here we go. We've got Wendy. We've got L W L Hawken on today. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. I'm really excited to come back and chat with you again. Yeah. And meet in, Michael. You're in the middle yeah, of the storm. Nice yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think last time, I think it was uh, Dave. Dave was on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's back, I think, tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so what's been going on with, with, with Wendy the last, since you were on last? Uh, let's see. I think I, I think I was on with you when I had just um, released To Kill a King, um, right. which was book four, and that was last March or April. I think you were the first actual show I did. When I started with Mickey. (laughs) Of course it did. No. (laughs) In Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. In Buffalo. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, so since then I've, you know, I've been talking a lot about those, those four books that are in that series and I've completed another book, which is a brand new series, which maybe we'll get to talk about next year. And it's, it's coming out um, in February. Yeah, and now I'm just uh, pull, I've pulled out another draft that I'm working on for another mystery that's set on Vancouver Island, and so that's going to be up and coming too. Do, mm-hmm. do you ever wonder where these things come from for you? Like, like how you all of a sudden now you're doing something out of out of Vancouver Island? Like, where does this all sort of do you do you ever remember where? Yeah, the, the, it comes from like when you're just sitting somewhere or doing something else, and bang, it comes to your head. Like, do you remember that time? Yes, I do actually, and and it, and it depends on the book for sure. But you know, part of my thing is that I I do a lot of travel, and just for example, the one on Vancouver Island that I'm just working through the draft now. I was a lighthouse keeper for a year in 2013. And I, I was a teacher, and I was all stressed out, so I joined the Coast Guard. <laughs> Honestly, wow. I did. I did. And, and I became a, um, 
a lighthouse keeper, a remote light, lighthouse keeper for a year. So they would send me out places where the lighthouse keeper needed to go off for a few weeks or whatever. And um, I'd pack up all my gear and I'd drive to Vancouver Island and grab a helicopter and they'd take me out and dump me off at a light station. And so with the one there, I was at Nootka, which is, uh, for anybody who knows Vancouver Island, it's uh, north of Tofino. So kind of on the very, very west coast between uh, Tofino and Cape Scott. And I was there for eight weeks. And while I was there, it's such a historical place. It's one of the places where Captain Cook first landed and started, you know, the, the sea otter oh, wow. trade. And it, it's a really historical place. And um, I just, it's the village of Uquat and the Muchlot and Moachot people are out there. It's also the end of the West Coast Trail, or the Nootka Trail comes down there, and the West Coast Trail comes up. So it's, it's a very busy place. Anyway, one day I was out there, and I was lying in bed. It was about 8 o'clock at night because the guys always, I was always there with another lighthouse keeper, and they would say to me, you don't have to do anything else as long as you do the morning shift. Because <laughs> I always had, always had night owl guys. So they'd be going to bed at four in the morning while I was getting up to go to work, right? So I'm lying in bed trying to go to sleep at eight o'clock at night. And I had just read all of this stuff about these massacres that had happened on the island and all the people that had died there. And my bed started to move and, and it was actually shaking from side to side. And so I kind of put my hands out and I held onto the bed and it was shaking. And I got up and I looked at the bed. And I looked around the room and I said, okay, stop it, you guys, because I was sure the spirits were doing it. Honestly, I really was. And I'm like, stop it. That's enough. And, um, and then I heard this voice in the other room say, yeah, this is, uh, Cape Scott. We just had like earthquake care of us six on the Richter scale. And I went, oh, <laughs> that's okay. a lot of energy there. It, it was actually a natural occurrence, not a supernatural occurrence. But that moment, I thought, this, I have to set something here. And so there is a paranormal mystery happening there. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's interesting. When you're, when you're in areas like that, too, um, I guess you, you really absorb a lot of the, um, you know, the energy of, of, of the people and, and the place mm -hmm. and everything. Like, that's, that really must get into your writing. It does, because part of my thing is I have to go and touch everything and um, and stand where the characters stand, and I want to feel it. And so with this with this one to sleep with stones, which is which is book two, um, I guess this, a couple of things inspired that. And one is that I wanted to have an artifact because I have an archaeologist as one of the protagonists in this story, and. You know those, you know those great stories where there's, you know, this fan, fancy artifact and something happens with the artifact. So, I had read a book by Lorraine Evans, and she talked about how around 1350 BC, the e Egyptians, or actually Mary Totten, who is the daughter of Nefertiti, an Akhenaten, okay, from that realm, right. they had, she had, she had gone to to Scotland. And so I thought, okay. Um, so I, I created an artifact 
based on that that she left there and that my art archaeologist finds. And that kind of is part of the inspiration for this, where the artifact gets stolen and at the same time a young man who is from my witch coven is working over there with her as an archaeologist. And he has been out, they've been out celebrating finding this artifact. And while he was out celebrating, he got himself in a kind of a compromising situation in a beer garden with the archaeologist. (laughs) (laughs) If you can get my drift. Anyway, and um, there was a very nasty uh, Glasgow journalist there who took pictures of him. And so he got into a fight with this guy. And then the next morning... While Dylan is out sleeping with the stones, doing his witchy thing, um, the police find this journalist's body in a cairn in the next field to where he's sleeping. And there's enough, there's enough evidence there that they pull him in for murder. And so he gets charged with the murder. So it is a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. That's, in, that's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it, so maybe maybe let's if, if people haven't heard you before or, or what is the Holy Stone Mysteries about? This is book two we're talking about. You've done been on for four, so maybe give a, an overview yeah. of what, what it is. Um, sure, yeah. The Holy Stone Mysteries basically started as a coven of witches that live in Vancouver, and they they kind of they kind of solve murders. They they're involved with uh, with that kind of thing, and they use ritual magic. They're like regular people who go out in the woods and do rituals. And but their powers have grown a little bit. But they're not like they're not like charmed witches or anything like that, right? They're kind of regular people, but they they do have <laughs> they do have some interesting folks they meet along the way, like fairies and vampires and gods and things like that. So it's urban fantasy in a way, but it's also murder mystery. Mm-hmm. So- so urban fantasy is really kind of a um, – it's kind of like a, a modern-day reality, but there's a fantasy sideline to it. Exactly, which is why I like it so much, because it, it, it really works – you can work a lot of mythic, uh, mythic realms into it. And so they are regular people who can do fantastical things. And it's contemporary, but – depending on what's happening, they might end up like in book four where they time traveled. So there's lots of freedom with it. Yeah. I, I just wonder, so, cause there's, there's so much um, literature and movies and things out there um, centered on vampires mm-hmm. and, and vampires relationships. And sometimes werewolves are involved and you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's really hard for me to keep track of which, which is which. And I mean this in a sense of uh, people seem to create their own rules. Um, yeah. How do you, so how do you decide? Well, no, but you know, I, I mean, like you take a vampire and the original and, and you move it all the way up and all of a sudden sunlight doesn't hurt them or crosses don't matter. And, mm-hmm. you know, all these things, there's all these different, I don't know, rules, I guess is the best way I can say it. Or, um, how do you decide what kind of rules you're going to set on your vampires? Mm, that's a good question. There are kind of, I think they're tropes, like that's, that's maybe the, the term. I don't know. But um, I do have vampires in this book. So this book has a 
dual storyline. So while my one character who Estrada has been, um, he's from Determa Killer and the series kind of revolves around him running around saving people. And while he goes off to Scotland to help his friend who's been put in jail, his lover, Michael, who is in Vancouver, gets upset and melancholy and start takes up with a young French model who looks like a younger version of Estrada. And as it turns out, this young fella is actually connected to vampires. And how, how I did it was I wanted to take it into a more scientific way. So my vampires have more of a, it's a virus hate to even use that word these days, but um, I wrote this long before we had that virus. Um, and it is, and it is a van, it's a, it's a virus that, that they can get and they can inject sort of, so it goes through the bloodstream. And so I made, I made the rules around that. Yeah. The covamp virus. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it, it's fun. I mean, you know, you play with it in a long way, but it's pretty serious too when, right. when you get into it. The third book is really, the whole book is about the vampires, but they get introduced in this book. Well, and, and so, um, but when you get to these vampires, do you just pick up rules that have been set? Like do, does sunlight bother them and does the cross, the Christian cross, or does a, a stake no. through the heart kill them and stuff like that? Or you just yeah. walk away from that and start from scratch yourself? I kind of start from scratch, but I also speak to those things. So, you know, I, and it's kind of fun to turn those things on their heads and say, you know, none of that stuff actually is true, except the part where, like, we're really fast, or except for, you know, except for the part where... <laughs> we like to drink wine or we really like to have sex or whatever it is. Right. Um, I wonder if, I wonder if that yeah. makes it more uh, for the reader. Uh, it kind of allows them to accept it as almost reality because those are, they're, you're almost saying, well, that's not real stuff, but this is real stuff. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And it makes it fresh. I think, I think you have to kind of make it fresh as much as you can. In fact, one of my beta readers said to me, you know, what's going to make your vampire special? Why would I care? That was a really good question. So I had to actually say, okay, what am I going to do about this? So I, I did huge backstories for, for all of these vampires, which was fun. And in the third book, they, the, 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 the stories come out quite a bit. Oh, all mm -hmm. the deep, deep stuff. Mm -hmm. All the, all the tragic. Mm -hmm. uh, so how would you describe Dylan McBride then as a character? So someone um, outside that hasn't read the book, any of the books yet. Right. Um, what would you, what would you say about Dylan? Well, well, the second chapter is, or is called a fresh, sweet peach. Um, if that gives you any kind of idea, he is quite innocent. At least he presents to be quite innocent. He's, He's younger. He's 1920, younger than the other people in the coven and really has not had, you know, a lot of, of experiences yet. So when he gets with, um, when, the, when this archaeologist who's quite, um, 
what can I say about Sorsha? Sorsha is an Irish girl, and she basically takes what she wants. And so when when Sorsha kind of hits on him, he doesn't know what to do. So we see we see him in that way, and then and then he gets he gets sent into Greenock Prison, which is one of the most you know horrible prisons in the UK. So um, it's it's really difficult, and. But we get a little bit, we get a lot of his backstory in this because I wanted this to be his book. But he really is an innocent, innocent. It's almost um, a coming of age kind of a story for him. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so how did you tie all this in? Like, how do you get um, Egypt and and every, <laughs> everything all mixed in? Like, it seems like they're quite quite far out. It doesn't seem like it wouldn't come to my mind. But that doesn't say a lot either. But I'm just saying that. Um, so how do you pull all this together and decide what would fit? Well, I did um, a ton of research. Actually, this morning, I dug up my file on To Sleep With Stones because I was in Scotland in 2009. So that's kind of how far back it goes for me when I went and walked there because I wanted I went and stood in Argyle and touched the stones that he sleeps with and I went to all these places, and um, I really needed to to feel the energy of these places. And I went to his his town where he lived, this little village called Tarbert, where he lived with his grandfather when he was growing up. I did a lot of photography there. I, I actually took a picture of a man that I was sure was his grandfather <laughs> standing looking out over the harbor. Yeah, and and so once once I kind of have all of that. And then I have all the mythic stuff. I just, I do all the backstory on everything. And then I, then I just sort of sit down and say, okay, what happens? Um, <clears throat> with the Egypt stuff, it wasn't too hard because I have an archaeologist in a bar talking to Estrada and she basically explains it to him. So it's not, you know, it's not too hard. No, but it just seems, uh, uh, for me anyway, I just think that that's, that's quite creative in a sense to, to all of a sudden have a character in there that's bringing up a subject like Egypt mm. and artifacts and stuff and just all of a sudden incorporated into the story. Maybe that's because I'm, you know, a nonfiction guy. So I, uh, I wait, I'm told what to do. <laughs> That's right, so to speak. Um, you know, Alan, I think you have to give fiction a try one day and just see what happens. Well, I've sort of I've touched off on that in the last two books. I've got a, I've got some a little bit of historical fiction going on, so I'm kind of going there a little bit. But um, mm. you know, it's it's hard to say. Um, I guess I have to have more confidence in writing about subjects. Mm-hmm. that I'm not directed on, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? um, because you, you have to really step out. Like when you're, and, and you're relying on yourself. So when you're writing all of these characters, mm-hmm. there has to be a lot of you that goes into each of these characters as well. It's not just a total creation, right? I suppose. I mean, I, I really rely on my muses a lot. And, and I, you know, I... But, but <laughs> I think what I mean is like when you, so when you, when you're relying on that and you're getting information about how you're going to do a character, mm-hmm. um, you still express it through your own 
hand, your mind. So when mm-hmm. the character does something or is going to do something and has a certain feeling and a certain look, mm-hmm. it's still it's still on the direction of of your own person as well. Do you know, you know, it still comes from you. Like I know you, that I hear that I hear yeah. people. Yeah, I hear people say that, um, and I hear other authors saying that it comes from me. I don't know if it always comes from me, honestly. I yeah. I do think it could come from other places right. <laughs> through me sometimes. But you filter it. I filter it for sure, yeah. Right. yeah. And, and that in itself will can tweak your people somewhat too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if someone, if, if you're getting that this character is going to do something and you really don't like it, Mm-hmm. Does it still happen? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Well. Oh yeah. No, they 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 run the show. <laughs> I don't. I don't ever say no. You can't do that. No. No. Well, you got to put your foot down once in a while. Uh no, I don't. I I I really um I've done you know. Yeah. yeah. Six books, I guess now, like uh, where I've just kind of let them go. I mean, I get a lot of inspiration from. Oh, different different places that like where I go. For example, when I went to Tarbert um, and I stayed at a B and B there, and it's a little it's a little kind of a fishing town with a cove and these really old um, brick fishing cottages, kind of a thing. And the folks there, you know, are pretty traditional Scots, right? It's a con- Scotland is really conservative right. in a lot of ways. That, that's what I came away with, at least in 2009. And, and one of the things I heard there was the, um, the, the proprietor of Airbnb was telling me this story once. And he said, you know, uh, there was a writer here that was a writer here that used to live in Tarbert. And, and, and he used to, he used to, I won't say the name or anything, but, but he said he used to dress up like a woman every Halloween and high heels and everything. And, and I think he had a store or something too. And we all thought, Oh, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Oh, he looks good as a woman or whatever. Right? right. And he says, and then, and then he disappeared and, and he was gone for, for quite a long time. And, and then he came back and he was a woman and he had, he had changed his name and he told us all that his name was now this. And, and he said, Oh, and every, and, and I didn't know what to do. Now, this is an older fella, right, right. Um, that I was talking to. And he says, and I, and I used to go into the store, and I would always put my foot in it. I was just gobsmacked, and I just, I would always say the wrong thing. And, you know, he, he just, they did not know how to, to deal with that. And for me, that story was huge. I just went, what would it be like for someone growing up in, in a little town like this if they were transgender? if they were gay, if they were transgender. And, and where I ended up at the end of this book, and I did not do this on purpose. I wrote the whole book, and at the end of it, I went, oh, my gosh. Because as I was saying to you, it, at least four or five of the characters are really, really affected by homophobia in this book. And that was my impression when I was in Scotland, was that there was quite a bit of homophobia going on there. Mm-hmm. At least in the small, the small outward places. I'm sure Edinburgh and then everything is not like that. But 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So is the backdrop Scotland then, or is it yeah. British Columbia? Okay. No, no. It's it, they're in they're in Scotland for this pretty much this whole. Well, okay. The guys are in Scotland, and the vampire thing is happening in British Columbia. <laughs> oh. So there's like two things going on. Yeah. Yeah. So the the murder takes place in in Scotland. My my lead character goes to Scotland to help get his friend out of jail and to solve the murder. And so they're solving the murder in Scotland. And um, and then this other side thing is happening out in BC with with uh, his lover and the vampires. <laughs> hmm. uh, and and okay. Michael was that author that went to that town in Scotland and what dressed up as a woman. <laughs> was that you, Michael? I guess so. Yeah. Interesting for me because it, it, it all. So all of these stories, you know, it's all affected. It's it, it's all affected by that, right? And it happens right from um, from the get go. And when Estrada, like my my lead character, is bisexual, and and when when he gets off the plane in Scotland, like right from the get go, when he gets to uh, immigration, he starts getting kind of like that harassed kind of a thing going on. And, and he's like, what, they got some kind of file on me. And, and it just, and it just kind of goes from there. So, and I did not intend that at all. Hmm. Well, how does that, how does that affect you? But as a writer, like when you're, when you're going through this and you're, you're kind of transcribing or you're writing the story that comes to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, and then you go to Scotland, you're doing all of these things because you're really involved and it's important to you, I guess, in the book. Um, how does that, how does that kind of go with you? How do you feel about it? Like when you're doing it? Oh, I'm totally into it. Oh. I mean, I'm, Oh yeah, no, I'm like when I'm writing, when I'm, especially these books, because they have so many tentacles out there um, in different directions, I'm like living it basically. Yeah. Wow. I can't so, be like, oh, I'm going to write for two hours today and then I'm going to go and do something else. It's, it's like it's in my head all the time. So, Wendy, mm-hmm. the, uh, I do both fiction and nonfiction, and I know what mm-hmm. you're talking about. The, the nonfiction um, is I just love, I have a passion for research and discovery. Mm-hmm. But then the fiction was you're creating a world, but you're also doing work, uh, research. And you were making yeah. a comment about your research. So you still actually kind of, uh, you have to be correct. I mean, historically, you have to be correct. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I did a lot of research um, for this one, and that's what I said. I was just looking through my file at, at all the, even the mythical stuff that um, that I was looking at there because I don't know if you're familiar at all with uh, Robert Graves' work, the white goddess work. Did you ever run into him anywhere? He's a poet. No, no. no. Okay. He's... he's um, He's a UK poet, and he wrote quite a quite a work that called the White Goddess, which is like I don't even know how to describe it. But it but it he talks about the Celtic the Celtic years, the months of the year, the the, the Battle of the Trees, the how they name their months. Um, and I, so I had read this whole whole thing about. Um, the Celtic, and that's that's flowing through this book as well. So in this book, they Estrada at one point because things are going really badly for Dylan in prison, and 
Estrada knows they will go bad for Dylan in prison, and that is why he says, I can't leave him there. I have to get him out of there because he knows he knows that Dylan will rather die before he lets anything bad happen to him. And so it's really serious. And so Dylan says, you have to do something and you have to do it now. So he says, you have to go to this nature reserve called Tainish and you have to find a, a branch from an oak tree and and you have to appeal to the to the oak king and you have to help me. And so Estrada does this. He goes out and he does a big ritual. And they conjure um, the oak king and they also conjure Kernunos, who is the horned god, you know, the antlered god. You've seen yes. him, the green man, kind of the guy with the antlers. Um, mm-hmm. They conjure him. And, and, and Estrada's been playing this for a long time in the coven. Like, they do a lot of theatrical rituals. And he's always thought, you know, they're the same guy. But then he's out in the middle of the field with these standing stones, and these two different things appear. And he's like, wow, they're not the same at all. <laughs> and uh, so that was, that was a whole other piece for me, too adding all of that mythology to it and, yeah, getting to know. Wendy, it's so funny that I have this yellow book in front of me. A friend of mine gave it to me about six months ago called The White Goddess. Robert Graves. When you said that, I got to find it. And I, so I have the book, but I just haven't touched it yet. (laughs) It's, it's like, it's really hard reading. Okay. I mean, (laughs) you have to, you have to kind of suspend belief, but it's also like almost, um, a text, you know, it's it's different, but a lot of the poets. From, yeah, yeah, the poets from the um, the sixties, Gwendolyn McEwen and and all of those those poets from way back, they were really into the White Goddess. Mm-hmm. I wonder if whoever gave that to you had um, something in mind. <laughs> were they trying to say <laughs> something? Yeah. Well, actually, because I. Uh, Part of my uh, fiction novel is going into the Celtic world myself, so that's what he gave this for me, to me for. Oh, yeah, there you go. Wow. Wow. You guys are so far ahead of me. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm the, my, my last name is Holly, but it was actually Holly, H-O-L-L-Y. And so that oh. had a Celtic background. Sure. The well, my coven is Holly Stone, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. See, that's that's Holly's rock. That's what that means, Holly Stone. <laughs> You're the yeah. That uh, you, you like that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're crazy. Oh, um, wow, that's interesting. So now, at the end of the day, so when you when you get through these four books in the series, are you going to continue this on? Uh, yes, probably. I mean, I think I have to because. I kind of, yeah, I do. There are, there are still some unanswered questions for Estrada. Um, and, I, and I'm really into those characters. But I had to tell him to back off for a bit because I wanted to finish these other two books that I kept putting on hold. And <laughs> so I'm like, just le- let me do this. Hmm. Yeah, but then uh, the answers that need, need answering, the, the questions that need answering, I was mm-hmm. going to say, do you know those answers now? Or like, are you, is this all kind of predetermined in your mind? You kind of know where it's all going to go and you know how it's going to no. end and all mm-hmm. that. Or, so it's just happening as you go to do it. Yeah, no, I think, and no, I am um, an intuitive writer. So when I start, I have no idea where I'm going. 
it, I just, I just say what happens now and I just go with it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So at the end of To Kill a King, which is the fourth book, um, there is, I mean, that, that book is, is closed up, but then just at the last moment, there is, well, Kernunos is involved and he's the crazy god. So he's the one that gets them time traveling and he can do anything. So he leaves, he leaves Estrada with a, a big cliffhanger and, um, yeah. <laughs> JK, JK Rowling is the opposite. She kind of had everything all formatted, mapped to everything. Yeah. Well. I can't do that. I, yeah. <laughs> Me neither. I just, I just I, yeah, I can't do it. It's just, it doesn't suit my, my way of working, I guess. Yeah. Do you find it hard to uh, remember things from the earlier parts? Like let's say book one and two, when you're going through book four and, and if you're going to go to book five later, um, is that even an issue for you or do you just pick up and go? I can pretty much pick up and go. I mean, you have to remember, well, you guys know this. I, I've read, probably I've read To Charm a Killer, which is book one, about 200 times. So it's because, you know, because of the editing, because of all the times that you, you do it. And and um, so I've read them all of those books many, many times. And so I know what goes on. And at the end of a book, I always sit down and I go, okay, what do I know at the end of this book? So these things happened. And I actually, I actually found a list today in my file. What do I know at the end of To Sleep With Stones? And, okay. and I, and I had, had jotted down all of this stuff. And so then if I come back to it, I know what the major things have happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like a serial. Somebody said to me, you know, this isn't so much a series as a serial because I'm following the, well, I'm following this group of characters, but mostly I'm following Estrada, you know, right through over several years. And I pick it up, you know, I drop him off and then I pick him up six months later or I pick him up a year later. And um, so we've really followed his his journey. Wow. Yeah. So so at the at the end of the day, what do you hope people get out of this when they read the books? Is there a oh, sort of I, message or do you have like a, no, it's just entertainment? It's fun. I mean, really, I, I have so much fun when I'm writing and I just hope that people have as much fun as I do. I mean, I hope they really, they really enjoy it. But I got to tell you, I, the other day I, I, um, I just, I was, um, what was I doing it for? I'm trying to think of the reason I did it. I don't know. Anyways, I was looking at, reviews and um, I went back and I looked at all my old reviews and I made you know I copy pasted them onto a word document and I was reading them and I was like wow this is what writers need to do so if you're feeling down about your work you really need to go back and look at Amazon and Goodreads and wherever it is you're getting reviews and see what people say because it's just I felt so good after that even the one stars? <laughs> Honestly, there weren't any one stars. So that, that's was, good. That's yeah, good. no, they were they were all they were good and they were they were just really great. And just seeing the kinds of things people say, it just made me feel so good. I'm like, yeah, I love this, right? Hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I'll I'll I'll, I'll recommend some of my one stars to go over. <laughs> <laughs> just say, hey, you know, there's there's another really good book you're gonna like. Come on. Uh, I'm just curious because nonfiction. If someone does not like, for for example, the uh, my the suspect that I research, if someone is just as dead set against it, just for any reason, they're gonna pop a one star on me in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's different because you're you're, you're claiming. Okay, this Tumblety guy is is really Jack the Ripper, and this is why. So you, that's what you kind of put out in your book. So someone comes along and they go, "No, he wasn't it. That's crazy. <laughs> it's it's Joe Blow." So then they automatically just give you a one star because you don't know what you're talking about. They don't they mm. don't care about the, the the research you do have. They don't care about the way you wrote it or anything yeah. like that. They're just caring about the end result like how it ends mm-hmm. you see and i guess in in fiction so for for wendy it would have to be like if they read the book and then something happens to the character that they didn't want like you kill off a character and they really love them then they might give you a less of a rating because you killed their favorite person maybe ah. maybe i'm just saying uh that might be kind of an equivalent because i know what you're saying i know what you're saying if, if people don't believe in mm-hmm. what you're you're your subject on the case was like what your thoughts were on let's mm-hmm. say Jack the Ripper. Then they think, okay, well you're a nutball here, zero, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the, there was a case where uh, there was a fiction novel it was stalking Jack the Ripper, and uh, th- I was asked to do uh, a book review, and uh, it bothered me because the facts were wrong. You know, the Catherine Eddowes was was not in Scotland Yard jurisdiction; it was a different one. So, but of course, the author had, was not an expert. They were just writing a fiction novel, and it was just—it was so difficult for me to get get around that. <laughs> yeah, so. well, it's hard. I mean, if you know what the fact is, or you know what some of the truth is, but for an outside reader, they might not. Mm-hmm. Right. So and that's why I was asking Wendy about the research she was doing because I—that's where I could see where someone might not like it if you didn't get your research correct. Yeah, Mike's dog doesn't agree with him. <laughs> yes, sorry. sorry about that. That's why I want you to lie. <laughs> yeah, well, I certainly don't know. You know, I don't know how credible Lorraine Evans is with her with her book. Um, but uh, yeah. I used it, and so far nobody said anything. Her, I'm just going to see her. <laughs> they will now after this. I know yeah. her book is called. Kingdom of the Ark, the startling story of how the ancient British race is descended from the pharaohs. Okay, that's probably going to get a few people going. Right. But right. Um, I just used, I actually just used the one, the one little bit of it where she said, you know, it was a possibility that Maritotten was in Scotland. And it was a possibility because, you know, they were, they were um, sailing up to get tin from, from the UK all the way up to Scarabray in those, you know, in the Bronze Age. So it's possible. Right, right, right. That, that lots of people are up there. And, you know, you have all those Neolithic sites up there and the Standing Stones. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and plus you're writing a story in fiction. So, I, you you know, you should be able to get away with it. So you have some leeway. Yeah. Now, did you, did you go to um, a Scotland prison to see what it was like too or? I did not. I really don't like prisons a whole lot. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, um, <laughs> I did. I did go on their website though, because you know I had to have. I had to think think about things like 
how, what are visiting hours like because I have a strata go visit him and and then I have and I'm not sure even about you know if they're what it, what it's like to sit there like if you're in a table or if you're behind glass or what um what yeah. that's like right but yeah. I know that it's a notorious prison it's, it's a very difficult one they had the Lockerbie bomber in there I mean, they have, oh, wow. they, have max secu- they have maximum security guys in there with the innocent guys, innocent in quotation marks. Um, yeah, so you know, it's 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 difficult, and yeah, just yeah. just even telling you know telling Dylan's story from the perspective of well, you know, at the beginning of the book, he gets arrested and he's pretty much in prison for the whole book, and so he's he's telling his point of view of what's happening for him. At the same time, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a whole different energy in a in a prison, right? So mm-hmm. it it's it's an odd feeling. I mean, and um, mm-hmm. you know. And, and then and then I had a, a young woman that I was um, corresponding with who was in Lot Gilpid. Um, she was an archives person because I I needed to get all of the uh, the legal stuff right. Um, right, right. So, you know, if you get charged with murder, what's that like? Um, how does how does the court system work for you there? Where would he be staying? Where would they, what would they do with him? And she was great. So she would she'd be <laughs> she would just go. I would I would email her and then she would she would go out and find a police officer <laughs> and <laughs> ask him my questions because it's a really small town and then and then she would get all the answers and come back and email me with the answers. She was great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's great to have that kind of inside source. Yeah. Um, so, um let's talk about um finding Wendy. So, where what how do you like people to, <laughs> oh. to find you and react? Or do you have a book <laughs> called Finding Wendy? No, I don't. Um but do you have a book that or a book how do you like a website or how do you like people to come in and interact with you? I do. I do. I'm, I'm Blue Haven Press. Um, that's my website. So it's bluehavenpress.com. Perfect. And everything is, everything is pretty much on there. And then I'm, of course, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and all those places. But you can find all of that through my website. It's probably the easiest way. Right. Of course, mm-hmm. we'll have that up on ours as well so that people mm-hmm. can find you and, and everything else. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, so what, what next, where are you going to after this series? Well, next I'm, I'm working on this, um, the Lure River romances, which is, is romantic suspense. And it's actually set in, uh, Minnesota. So, yeah. So are you going to be in Minnesota? Minnesota? I have been, <laughs> like I said, I don't, I don't write about anywhere I haven't been through. Um, I haven't gone at some point, but the, the funny thing about that book is that there's a little story. It's on my website, so I'm not really giving too much away. Um, the Lord, this, this book is the first one in the Lord River romances. And I wrote it, uh, 30 years ago. I wrote the first draft when I was leaving my ex-husband and, and starting, um, my, my degree in indigenous studies at Trent university in Ontario. And uh, so I had ri- I'd written this book and wrapped it all up in brown paper, you know, because, you know, how we used to copyright stuff, we would mail it to ourselves. Right. And so a couple of years ago, I was going through all my boxes and I found it and 
It's like, oh, I think I'll open this and read it. And I did. And I was like, wow, this is a romance. That's really interesting. So I started writing, um, I started writing it based on what it was. I used the same characters pretty much. And then not too far into it, the woman found the bones of, well, she found bones basically in her shed. She's living, she's living on the Chippewa reservation in Minnesota and um, renting it, renting a place for the summer. And she finds basically a skeleton in her shed. And um, it turns out to be the, the bones of a missing indigenous girl. And, so it took off in a whole other direction. Um, and I ended up telling that young girl's story along with the story that was going on. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot about that with the indigenous lately, mm-hmm. especially with Canada. And I guess mm-hmm. the Pope is coming to Canada now, hey, to, to speak with them. Well, or, oh, really? or they're going to him, aren't they? Well, I can't remember now. Well, I just said, saw some headline this morning about um, the records from residential schools have been sent to Rome. Yeah. So it might have something to do with that. But, I mean, yeah. I think it's about time some big apologies happened. And and that's what, you know, the reconciliation is about, you know. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. More so, than uh, apologies, really. I mean, yeah. 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 It's terrible. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But apparently he's involved now, so he's going to do do or say something. So mm-hmm. I guess that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, so it sounds interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's been a pleasure. And, of course, the book we're talking about is Sleep with Stones. Mm-hmm. So it's book two of the Holly Stone Mysteries. And our guest is the author, W.L. Hawken. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Al, and thank you, Michael. Yeah, nice nice speaking with you. You too. Get the latest news and opinions from Eric Shapiro from the House of Mystery website in the Shapiro Report. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.